If you're under the age of 75, come on up to the front. <laughs> okay, less than 15, say, how's that? 12, 13, 75, I don't care. Whatever, whatever age you are. something about me. Now, you can sit with your sister, Shane. I'm going to try, going to try to remember everybody's names, but I'm still learning names, so bear with me. This is Cheyenne, this is Shane, this is Skylar, this is Marie, this is Neva, this is Tikam, this is Kaylee, Got it right because we have a Kylie back there, and I always get messed up when I when I was trying to remember your name. And you are Anna, and you are Elia, and you have a sister named Ivy. I got them all. Well, I'm I'm the frog guy. I'm the frog man. Did you know that? You didn't know that? Oh, I got to tell you a story. It's so cool. I have. A collection of frogs. Some of the older kids have already heard this. Some of the adults are tired of hearing it because they've heard it for years. But it works for what I want to say this morning, so we're going to do it again because these are all new ears, okay? That's right. Um, I was gifted this frog by a very dear friend of mine. She happened to be sitting in the back, I think. Wasn't this from you? This from you? No? Okay, I like it. All right. No, I don't have anything. But it's a bag. It's got money in it. But this is a frog that I have. I have actually over a hundred frogs in my office. Now, we can't go downstairs and see them right now because my office is closed because we've had to close off the basement for COVID. But next Sunday, if you'll remind me, I'll take you downstairs and show you my frog collection. I have over a hundred frogs in my office. At one point, I used to have live frogs in my office. Isn't that crazy? And one time, it wasn't when I was here at this church, it was at my, my other job before I became a pastor, and I had a little, like a little fish tank that the frogs were in, and they would swim around and you'd feed them. And one day, somebody said, Bob! And I went, what? And he pointed on the floor, and one of the frogs was doing this on the carpet. <laughs> and so we had to carefully pick the frog up and put it back into the water, because somehow it climbed out. I don't know what happened or how, but... Anyway, so like I said, I have over a hundred frogs on my head. But why do you think people call me the frog man? Do you have any idea? What? Yeah, frogs climb like that, don't they? They have stickers on their, on their, on their, like their fingers on their, their pads. Well, the reason I call myself the frog man is this. There's a Bible verse that I love. It's found in the prophet Isaiah. And let me read it to you. Very, very cool. It's Isaiah chapter 50, verse 10. And it says this. For those of you who are nitpickers, it's actually 50, verse 10b. <clears throat> Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. And I add the word fully rely. Because I won't be somebody 
who, with all of my life, with all of my heart, with all of my mind, with all of my strength, I want to fully rely on God for everything. And can you help me to spell out those letters? Fully? How does, what does fully start with? What letter? F. What does the word rely start with? What does the word on start with? O. What does the word God start with? So, F. R-O-G. Fully rely on God. F-R-O-G. What does that spell? Frog. I'm the frog man. Because I want to fully rely on God in every part of my life. Isaiah 50.10 is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Let him who is within the darkness, who has no light, learn to trust in the Lord and fully rely on his God. That's my prayer for you. That you would come into the light, that you would understand the truth of God's word, and that you would come to the point where you trust God with your whole life, fully relying on God and God alone, nothing else. Let's pray. God bless these kids. I ask that you would turn them into frog people too. Yes. All of us that are in here sound by voice, may we all become frog people. People who truly, fully rely on you, placing our trust in you, our hope in you, and our rest, resting in you because we know we can trust you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You guys can head on back. Thank you for coming back. for being kind, listening, and not taking my frog away. Well, I am stoked, and I mean that sincerely. Um, I was telling the worship team when we started practicing this morning, I, um, I was here Wednesday when we did the practice. I went through all the songs, but I did a brain dump Wednesday evening because what do I care what songs we're singing on Wednesday night? Which one we're going to sing on Sunday? I'll have them in front of me again, so I don't have to worry about it. But literally every single song, the words of the songs, dovetail perfectly with the notes that God gave me for my sermon. And I was like, ah, that is so cool. So, so, so cool. There was a song that I was listening to. I just started listening to a new channel on Pandora. For those of you who ever listen to Pandora, it's a... It's a streaming service where you don't have to continually change out your CDs and you just turn on your computer or your phone and you just let the music play. And I love listening to contemporary Christian music, but praise and worship music, not just songs. And so I just started listening to this new station that it's just speaking to me. There are songs that I, 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 I just have never heard before, but they're just gripping my soul. And I was listening this week and there was this one and I could not, I, I was too late to run to the phone and actually figure out who the artist was and what the name of the song was. And I tried to do research and I just couldn't find it again. But it was this one lyric in this one song that just gripped my heart and I couldn't let go of it this week. And it was, it was something to this effect. He hung on the cross in darkness alone. Evelyn, you can turn off all the lights in the sanctuary except for the one on the cross. We've got enough light in here that I can see. It might be it anyway, so it's okay. Everything, everything. There's one switch, the farthest left switch. Leave that one on. Farthest left switch. Uh, it was, it, you're, it, it's in the middle, but of the four switches, it's the farthest left. 
There you go. I come in here sometimes during the week, especially in the wintertime, and we usually keep this place dark, but we usually leave that one light on so that anybody who wants to come in and spend time with the Lord can just sit here and just meditate on the cross, illuminated in the darkness. But I want to read to you scripture. It's found in Luke chapter 23, and it's about six verses long. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. While the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two, and then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled this for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home, beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood off at a distance, watching these things. And then all hell broke loose. And for nearly three days, the demons, the darkness, celebrated gleefully, joyfully. They had done it. They had done it! He's dead! He thought he was so smart! He's dead. It's over with. We won. We won! And then John chapter 1, verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. In John chapter 1, the first 14 verses read, In the beginning was the word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, let me deviate a little bit from the reading of the Scripture to give you a little bit of understanding. This word, overcome it, it depends on which translation of the Bible you're reading, you may see that it says overcome, or you may see that it says did not comprehend it, or didn't understand it, or didn't grasp it. And the reason for that is there's literally two different translations that are both both correct and right. And scholars will tell you that some people think that, that John actually was using a pun here, that he was using a play on words, that indeed both meanings were correct. The darkness did not overcome the light, and the darkness could not comprehend the light. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, and he came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He wasn't the light, but he came to bear witness about the light, the true light, which gives light 
to all that was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and yet the world didn't know him. He came to his own. His own people didn't receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood or the will of the flesh or the will of a, of, a, of a husband, but literally at the will of God, they became children of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, <coughs> glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace. The Gospel of John goes further and talks about a meeting that took place between one of the leaders of the Jewish nation, one of the Pharisees, one of the members of the Sanhedrin, and Jesus. Nicodemus was the man from the Sanhedrin. Nicodemus literally came to Jesus at night because it wasn't politically expedient for this member of the Sanhedrin to be meeting with this man who the Sanhedrin was upset with. But Nicodemus, we find out later, became a follower of Christ. Probably that very night during the interview that he had with Jesus. But let's read what it says in the Gospel of John, chapter 3. For God so loved the world. These are the words of Jesus to Nicodemus as he's talking to Nicodemus about the plan that God the Father has. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, but people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and doesn't come into the light, lest their works be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that their works have been carried out in God. Later on in the Gospel of John, at another time, when Jesus is actually involved in public ministry, he is in Jerusalem, it's the, tabernacle, the Feast of Tabernacles, which takes place in around September time frame in the year in our calendar. And in the Feast of Tabernacles, there's two major symbols that happen in the Feast of Tabernacles. Number one, the, there's water. And the, the priest literally goes <clears throat> to the river and dips up water and carries it through the streets of Jerusalem and then pours it out there in the temple grounds. And Jesus at that point yells out, not yells out, but announces, whoever is thirsty, let him come to me. Whoever's thirsty, let him come to him. And he talks about the rivers of life. But then, there's another symbol that's huge in ancient Israel at the time of the tabernacle. And what it is, this was a seven-day party. And they didn't have fireworks back then. What they did have was huge, huge menorahs that lit the temple grounds at night during this seven-day festival. It was said that, they, that, that when those menorahs were lit, that literally you could see the Temple Mount illuminated from all around the valleys around Jerusalem. Because see, if, you, if you're not familiar, Jerusalem is actually on a hill. And so there's all this lower land 
below it. Now, we live in the world where you see lights all the time. I mean, sometimes if you're coming down uh, from a hill like Haystack area or something, you can see the lights of Fairbanks in this in the city. And there's some people that think city lights are just gorgeous and beautiful. You see cityscapes in, in, in photographs where there's just this beautiful lights. I can remember when I was dating my wife, we used to drive from San Antonio up to San Angelo where she lived, and as you came to a certain point in the road, coming from the south, you could begin to see the lights on the horizon. It was just, oh, the lights. Because it had been dark for, for the rest of the time, because we're in the flatlands of, of West Texas. Well, in this case, in this case the Feast of Tabernacles, literally everything showed to the, ta- to the temple because it was brilliantly illuminated by this huge, huge menorah. And so Jesus, standing in the temple ground, then says, John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, if you study this at all, this idea of light, you will find scholar after scholar after scholar who will tell you that darkness represents evil, sin, ignorance. Light represents God and God's holiness. And in some cases, it, 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 it represents the illumination of God's word to God's people. Remember the, the Bible passage that says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Or trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will light your path. He will direct your path. He'll show you the way. So this idea of light can be understanding or illumination. But more often it talks about holiness and purity and righteousness of God. At one point in uh, 1 John, it says, This is the message that we have heard from Him. And that we have proclaimed to you that God is light. And in Him there is no darkness at all. And then he says, the very next sentence, If we say we have fellowship with God, while we are still living in darkness, we are liars who do not practice the truth. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another in the blood of Jesus Christ. The Son cleanses us from all sins. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth isn't in us. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all His unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we are making Him a liar and His word is not in us. But I'm going to go back to those two sentences up at the top part of this first, this first chapter in First John. God is light. In God there is no darkness at all. But if we say we have fellowship, but we still walk in darkness. We are liars. That's a pretty strong statement. And see, in our world today, especially these last 20 years since the turning of the, of the new century, and, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the turning of the millennium, basically, we have a cultural mindset of it doesn't really make a bit of difference. It's just whatever you believe is okay. As long as you don't hurt anybody else, it's okay. You can believe whatever you want. You can live how you want. You can do whatever feels right to you. If it's true for you, it's true. But I am here to tell you, the Word of God is very clear. There are certain things that cannot, will not be tolerated, period, and sin is one of them. 
And if you call yourself a Christian and are still involved in darkness, you're kidding yourself. You're not kidding God. God is fully aware of what you're doing. And God is holding you accountable and you will answer for it. The calling that you have, 
after you've already confessed and repented and become in right relationship with God and now have the Holy Spirit giving you guidance and helping you to become more and more Christ-like and the fruit of the Spirit is growing in you and you are experiencing what it means to walk in the power and the strength of the Lord, God has called each and every one of us to walk as children of light. What does that mean? Stop it. What does that mean? Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, You are the light of the world. You don't light a candle or a lamp and put a bowl or a bushel over top of it. You light the candle and you put it on a stand for one purpose, so that it will dispel the darkness. The whole point of the light, the whole point of the candle, the whole point of... Have you ever come into it? I mean, we live in a dark place, especially this time of year. We live in a very dark place. Have you ever walked into a completely dark room and just had the tiny little light on the, on the back of your phone to go by? That can burn a hole in your retina. It's that bright compared to the darkness around. Strike a match. Light a birthday candle. Carry that tiny little flame into the basement of your home or your garage or wherever it is. Dark, dark, dark. And it'll be amazing to you. That tiny little light. You can see across the room. Because light, by its very nature, dispels darkness. So when you're talking in about a spiritual way, God, the Holy Spirit, living in me, conforming me to the image of Christ for the sake of others, is I am becoming more and more and more like Jesus and living out a life that is pleasing to God, not so I can get a bigger crown in heaven, not so I can have a bigger mansion, not so I can parade when I get up there and go, look at me, look at how I live, woo I'm laying out a great present for you, Jesus, that I built on this earth. None of that. Of course, you've heard all of that growing up in Sunday school from 1950s and 60s era. Because we have to have our crown that we laid before the Lord. And we have to build it. But that's not what this is about. We are being conformed to the likeness of Jesus Christ for one purpose only. And that is so that God will be glorified. Because Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount, You are the light of the world. And in the same way, you are to let your light shine before the other human beings that you come in contact with. So that they can see your good works. And what? Praise you. Give you accolades. Give you likes and loves on your Facebook page. No! They are to, you there to see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That is the whole reason you're still on this earth. Because if it wasn't, if the only thing God wanted from you was your heart and your soul, the moment you gave your heart to Christ, you would be zapped off the earth and be brought to the Father. But God has a reason for you staying here. It is because He needs you to be the light to the world. You are a light bearer. It is not your job to argue. It is not your job to convince. It is simply your job to carry the light of Christ into the darkness and let the Holy Spirit of God do the work that God needs to do. The convict convincing, the convicting, the turning, the helping the person to come under full, full, full understanding. But the reality is, and this is where the hard part comes, folks, the reality is so many of us Christians play games with our relationship in the sense of being a child of the light. 
Because if I have darkness in me, how can I carry light into the world? Because the darkness would be constantly in antagonism towards the light that I'm trying to present. Or it would sully. How many? I mean, I'm not going to name anybody, and I don't want you to name anybody, but think about it. In your lifetime, how many ministers of the gospel who were prominent in our culture are now thought about with disdain because of their sin? Because they allow darkness to come into their life. I won't name the person, but just one just recently died who had an incredible ministry. An apologetic ministry. Someone who would be able to talk circles around intelligent human beings about why God's word is true. And now their reputation is that they were sexually improper in their ministry. You see, if you allow darkness to creep in, it literally undermines your ability to speak the truth to somebody. And that's what you have to guard against. You've got the Holy Spirit present with you every single day. You've got the Holy Spirit who will convince you and convict you of sin. The Holy Spirit's job while you're on this earth is to guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit's job is to show you when you are entering into an area that is dangerous for you as a Christian. But if you close off your heart to that inspiration or that leading of the Holy Spirit and allow that darkness to just continue to stay there, the end result is all hell's going to break loose, thinking that they beat another one down. Because you're no longer effective. You're no longer a threat. There's enough darkness there just let you play with your game here being a Christian. They're going to go out and start looking for the ones that are really living the life. Really allowing the Holy Spirit to conform them to the image of Christ. Why? So that God can shine. That people can turn from their wicked ways and be brought into the light. So what I encourage you this, this morning <laughs> and throughout the remainder of this week Look at your life. Be serious when you get on your face before God. And say to God, I open myself up 100% to your examination. If you see anything that is not pleasing to you, point it out and help me to release it to you. Because if you want to be a Christian, that's what you have to do. Otherwise, stop playing. Because all you're doing is giving the church a black eye and making it harder for the rest of us to try and speak truth to people. But I'm not trying to be unkind. I'm really not. But I have felt very strongly that the message for you this morning, one of you, some of you, I don't know who, maybe somebody listening to our broadcast online, the message is, time is up. Chaos is trying to erupt. Darkness is trying to take over. And if you aren't serious about being light to this world, then stop playing. Just go be in the dark fully. But if you really, truly want to have a relationship with God, that means every part of your life is open for examination. And every part of your life has to be submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what holiness is. 
I am not just saved so I get to go to heaven. I am saved so I can show other people so that God can get glory and others can join and become children of light. Let's pray. God, I don't know if it was somebody in this room or somebody online that needs to hear this, but I pray that your Holy Spirit would work right now. And I pray, Father, that you would convince them and convict them of the sin and the darkness that they have allowed into their life. And I pray, Jesus, for you to bring healing and for you to help them to turn back over to you.